to Surrogacy Australia's podcast series. I'm your host, Anna Mackay. Thank you for sharing your time to listen to this episode. These recordings are from the regular one-hour free webinars that I run, which I invite you to attend if you haven't already. They take you through how surrogacy works in Australia, including how to find a surrogate or intended parents, there are opportunities to ask questions, and you hear from a co-host each time about their own journey. This episode, recorded in November 2022, is slightly different to our standard webinar series, as it involved three sets of co-hosts, Jaden, Kelly and Troy, who are all partners of surrogates. Let me tell you a little bit about each of them. Kelly's wife, Marinda, birthed as a surrogate on the Central Coast in November 2020. They had a little girl, Josie, and the two dads live in Sydney. Kelly and Marinda have three children of their own and the IPs were previously known to them through Kelly's work. Troy's wife, Danny, birthed as a surrogate in Adelaide in February 2021. They had a little girl, Evie, for Sarah and Ben, who also live in Adelaide and were initially strangers. Danny has three children and the journey went from gestational to traditional surrogacy. Jaden's wife, Jessica, birthed as a surrogate in Adelaide in May 2020. They had a little girl, Amalia, for Baden and Nelson, who live in Queensland. The dads were initially strangers and at the time of this recording, they were planning a sibling journey, which happened. Jess birthed another another girl, Oriana, in July 2023. Each of the surrogates connected to this episode have also joined me on a webinar. You can hear Jess on episode 27, Danny on episode 24, and Marinda's episode has not yet been converted to a podcast, but you can find it on our YouTube channel or coming up in episode 39. This webinar recording can also be watched on our YouTube channel. The questions we discuss in this episode you can find in the show notes. My secret dream when I coordinated these guests is so this recording could be of use to future surrogates and their partners. So when a potential surrogate brings up the idea of wanting to be a surrogate and her partner has some initial concerns, they could listen to this episode together, discuss any parallels and hopefully ease some of the fears that are common at the beginning of a surrogacy journey. If this episode is helpful to you, please send me a message and let me know. I hope you enjoy this episode. Righty, so I think we'll just go around the group and we might take it in turns who starts each question each time and we'll just have a chat and capture each person's journey as best we can. And as we said before, trying to imagine what you each would have liked to have known, you know, way back at the beginning, any questions or concerns that you had. So on the top of my screen is Troy. So I'm going to ask you the first question. Sure. What were your first thoughts when Danny brought up the idea of being a surrogate? Well, for me, I mean, one of the first things you probably say is um, me and Danny, we have three wonderful children, but none of them are my own biological children. I came into a relationship with Danny with her three children. Never intended to have kids of my own. Quite happy <laughs> being on my own. I love now having kids around me. It's awesome. And Danny had already done egg donations um, to help people out. And I thought that was an amazing thing she was doing, an amazing thing. And one day she brought it up. Oh, I'd like to ask you about something. It's uh, called surrogacy. What do you know about it? It starts with the letter S, ends with agassi. <laughs> That's pretty much all I knew about it. No, she ran through everything with me and saying that she'd like to um, be part of it and um, to help out a couple if she could. Being from someone who never had kids to all of a sudden having three and finding such joy in it, uh, I was like, well, if we can help a couple out to have their own joy in their life like this, who am I going to stand in the way of? So that's how it started for me. Mm. Cool. So you weren't too worried initially and you'd sort of been weaned into it by sort of building the family with Danny. I was weaned into it, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Danny always went through every step to show me history of surrogacy and how it works 
in Australia and not a quick thing. It's not an easy decision, you know. We'll spend the time going through it all. And I have to admit, you know, it wasn't like I was like from the get-go, oh, yeah, do what you want. The more I thought about it, well, hang on, I'm asking her to go through this whole pregnancy thing. Well, you know, why would I do that for someone else, you know? What's going on? But the more I got into it, the more I could see what, what, a, what a good thing she was doing. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. It's a great team you've got there. What about for you, Jaden? What were your first thoughts when she brought up the idea? Uh, it was a, certainly a left the ballpark thing, but that's nothing unusual for Jess. She likes to just throw these curveballs in every now and then. Yep. Um, it all started because her sister couldn't fall pregnant. She had her first child and she, she wanted to have a second and it wasn't working. We had our two. We were always locked in at two no matter what we got. Two was our number. Her sister was struggling to fall pregnant the second and she that was when the, the talks came up. Maybe I'll have a baby for them. So that was already in the works and then that process was kind of starting to get off the ground and then her sister fell pregnant and had another daughter. It was just like, well, I was going to do it for Sarah, so why not why, look into the world of surrogacy? I really didn't know anything about it until she I said, well, if you, you know, if you want to do it, I'll support what you want to do. I'm not going to stop you from that. And then that's how the process started, really. So, yeah, it was certainly something different, but that's not unexpected from her. So, roll with the punches and just to support what she's got in mind. Yeah. yeah, that sounds similar to my journey. So you two guys and my team, we carried for people we didn't previously know. And my husband, Glenn, always said, as long as you do your research and don't rush in, okay, I'll get on board with this investigating. But then on to you, Kelly, your team carried for people that you previously knew. You actually knew the people through your work, Kelly. So who brought it up first? Did Marinda bring it up, the idea that she could do this or was it a joint discussion? Yeah, well, I guess it's my fault. Um <laughs> Because I had told John that I was actually pregnant with twins at something that we were doing, like just on the DL, because it was really, really early on. And we were at a conference and I just had to tell him about dietary requirements. And that sort of opened up a discussion that he was telling me about how him and his partner were going through through IVF as well. And he's like, oh, I'd love to ask you questions and things like that. And then in the lunch break, we started talking about surrogacy. And he's like, you know, John had sort of said to me that they were looking for a surrogate and how hard it was. And I just came home and I was just like, you know, this happened today. And, you know, I was talking to John and blah, blah, blah. And I had mentioned that they were looking into surrogacy. That was their next step. And Marinda's like, I would consider surrogacy. You know, I was going to do it for your brother and his wife if they ever wanted another one. But they never asked, by the way. You know, and then that was it. And she's like, you know, I, I want to meet them and I want to talk to them. And so, and then that's, it started this this friendship between all four of us, you know, because I had never met Mark, um, which is John's husband. And I was the one that brought it up. Um, I planted the seed completely, not intentionally. It was just making conversations conversation it all just rolled along from there slightly different two women there bringing up the idea together so then my next question would be how did you find ips well we'll just stay with you kelly for a minute there saying so your ips you knew one of them because you worked together but you hadn't met the partner before no i hadn't met mark before john was at my school and he was in a sort of a higher role than me but we were just purely friends like work colleagues you know like that's sort of how it really started but i hadn't met mark at all um the minute we met him though he's lovely and you know john and I always got on really well but it was never something that like I would never have considered having a baby for John and Mark like essentially employed with it worked out so I suppose from your journey there'd be some parallels for people listening in terms of you know if we want to consider offering to our friends or family you know maybe carry for them when you had that first meeting date was the excuse oh let's just meet each other's partners or was it we'd like to consider this now let's start talking surrogacy was that I guess then how did you sort of bring it up ours was purely when we first all met 
together. It was purely just to meet and get to know each other, which I really liked because I wasn't going to ever be the surrogate or ever. My eggs are too old and my body's too old to carry anything anymore. So it was always going to be her if she wanted to, Marinda if she wanted to do it. It was just a, hey, let's meet and let's get to know each other. And that was it. And at our first meeting, surrogacy wasn't even brought up. It was all about who we were as a couple and what we liked doing. And we started out like just having dinner and then dinner. Um, we ended up at this cocktail bar having cocktails. And, you know, it was a really, really good night, just friends hanging out. And I think that's what it should be, shouldn't it? It should be. Yeah. You've got a friendship, even if there was no surrogacy. So then, Jaden, in terms of how you guys found IPs, was that sort of a similar thing you were looking for? You needed to make sure you could be friends with these people, regardless if it was surrogacy. And so how did, I guess, Jess find the IPs and how did that process? went on a play store and downloaded tinder for, for surrogates <laughs> is there what <laughs> uh, she started off with the south australian um like surrogates page uh, we went to a few like catch-ups and things they do like at pubs and you know everyone just kind of gets to know each other and stuff and that didn't really eventuate to anything then she went on to the same version of like an Australian version of it um, and then same thing you talk to different couples different bit of a meeting process on that one because it's a lot of them were interstate you know start chatting away to people and talk through messenger and stuff like that Bade and Nelson popped up one day and that was history pretty much they you know they just did the chatting thing and then they come down and met us and we went up there to meet them and you know bits and bobs lots of video calls back and forth and then yeah that's when the process started when Jess originally met them she wasn't old enough in Queensland laws to be a surrogate over there um, and they wanted wanted to do the egg transference in Queensland as well. So they were, it was all explained at the start, you know, they had to wait, I think it was eight or nine months before she could do a transfer from when we met them or something like that. There you go. She was 23 and she had to be 25. So it was longer than that. But they were more than happy to wait, I guess, you know, it's, once you come across a surrogate that's willing to do it and click, you know, you want to wait for that opportunity to come up. Mm. So. And again, I could delve into, I've got so many extra questions floating around in terms of, uh, which we might get to in terms of how you build that relationship, etc. So you said you met them online for those listening, it's through through the Australian surrogacy community, ASC, that we often talk about. And Troy, is that where Danny met hers? She was online in those groups yes, too? Yes, it was um, through one of the Facebook groups, the Surrogacy of South Australia, I'm pretty sure. And um, she started chatting, just chatting with people. Sarah came up and they started chatting away. And for Danny said, she goes, I just, just found it so nice to talk to, so personable, so relatable. And I remember that it was the first time Danny's like, I'm going to actually catch up with Sarah. I'm going to go out for dinner, have a few drinks and that sort of thing. She goes, oh, look, back in about an hour, hour and a half. <laughs> it wasn't well, though. Four hours later, comes home. I don't know. I'm not sure if she should have been driving. I don't reckon they had too many margaritas. They just got along fantastically. And so that was it was a start. And that's what Danny wanted. And that's and I, and I said I was a I agree with that. You have to get along with whoever you intend to do this for. It, it shouldn't just be pick you. Get to know them. Find out yeah. who they are. Do we have things in common and that sort of thing. So yeah, mm. that's a, I mean that's how it started. Danny started online just chatting and and, and she showed me the chats. There were endless, endless hours of just chats, yes. chats, chats until they finally met and caught up. But then after that, it was just another date, another date, another date. Yeah, it's a bit like that, isn't it? It's dating. It's often the surrogates, you know, fall in love in some ways and almost you know develop that strong bond with one of the main IPs so then that's sort of getting the surrogate involved we've talked about getting the partners involved and you guys growing that now each of you all have a family and therefore children and so then how did your children react about their mum being a surrogate and because you may have all mentioned it at different points in time and depending on the ages of your children there so Kelly start with you do you remember how old your kiddos were when surrogacy got brought up and how you told them I think the 
twins were about two, so they were really young. They had no clue what was going on. Piper was, yeah, so she was six. She had a bit of an idea. We just told her that, you know, mummy was going to have a baby for two people, for two guys that we really cared for and that couldn't have a baby for themselves. She always knew from the start that that baby was John and Mark's baby. It was never going to be, you know, our baby. And it's funny because, like, people would see Miranda when she was pregnant and be like, oh, when are you due? And Piper's like, yeah, that's John and Mark's baby. Like, why do you even care? Like, <laughs> she just had the biggest attitude about, like, in a good way. You know, I was just like, please don't ask for us to have a baby of our own because we are completely done. That was my only real worry. That, But she handled it pretty well. And like I said, the twins were just too young to really know anything else. So yeah, I found that with my kids too. I think when they first met Matt and Brendan, my kids were two and four. And it's that idea of you need an egg and a seed to make a baby, a girl's tummy to grow it. And Matt and Brendan are going to be two dads, so they can't grow a baby. So I'm just going to do that for them. And yeah. kids take that on. Jaden, then what about your kids? A similar age to mine. Do you remember how you explained it to them and how the kids took it on? Yeah, they were. Well, Lucy was only two and Charlotte was one, so they were still pretty young. So they've kind of just grown up with the fact that mum's had another baby in her belly. Yep. It's a bit different now with the possibility of like a sibling journey. It was quite funny the other day. Charlotte went to school telling her friends that my mum's going to have a baby. And the people were like, oh, are you going to have a new brother or sister? She goes, no, it's going to be a cousin. They're like, how does that work? <laughs> how can you birth your own cousin? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my cousin, that doesn't work. They're a new, it's a new cousin and Baden and Elston are their uncles and they, they speak to Amalia like, you know, that's their cousin and we're, we're there. We're like auntie and uncle to her. So then they've really just grown up with it and just got on board with it really. They haven't, they're mm. not upset that the older one drops it. Oh, I want a brother every now and then, but that's not happening. So they got each other and then they got plenty of cousins and things like that. So And then these extra cousins, like a tummy cousin. And and I think that kind of sums up the language then that you're using in your household. That's cousins and, and that's a nice way to connect it there. And then Troy, in your house with the three kids, I'm trying to think back to how old they would have been when you guys first started this journey. Nearly yeah, the eldest would have been, oh, gee, 13, I reckon, and then yeah. 11, and the youngest would be nine, nine-ish, coming on 10. So they have uh, a different understanding to the yep. little kids, don't they? So Absolutely. they were a bit more aware. How did the discussions go in your household? Um, it, it came down to, it's not that we decided to do it. We sat them down as like, this is what we're thinking of doing. You know, we're not going to just spring it on them. Oh, by the way, your mum's going to have a baby in nine months. We, we explained to them, this is what surrogacy is, this is what we want to do. But you have to understand, like, it wasn't, we didn't just spring it on them and they never met Ben or Sarah. We had dates together as a family with them and we'd go to the Royal late show we'd go to the beach we'd go for picnics just so they knew who Ben and Sarah were so when we say look this is what we want to do for Ben and Sarah do you understand the eldest two yeah they got it youngest you could have asked him an hour later and go what, what baby what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's what 10-year-olds are like. They're <laughs> memory like a fish, so. <laughs> cool. And I think what you're all saying is kids just get it. It's sometimes the adults that have more fears about these things. Kids just are quite accepting of that. So that might be the kids that are accepting. But what about extended family? <laughs> For all of you, I, I know for mine, it was always the families of the intended parents, they were always so excited and happy and so thankful to me doing what I was doing. It was my family that had concerns that pregnancy brings risks and things like that. Kel, what about you? Did you have any concerns or negativity from extended family? There were definitely concerns. It wasn't negativity, but you're right. It was just concerns about like, what if this happened and, and health concerns and things like that. My family, they live out in parks and, you know, they really didn't really weigh in on it at all. They're like, this is your decision 
decision. You guys do what you need to do and we'll just be, we'll just support you in any way. I think because Marinda was carrying the baby, her parents were probably a little bit more just concerned about the pregnancy and, you know, what could go wrong and if something happened. And once everything had sort of started and, you know, she was pregnant and because they met the boys too before anything had even happened, we made sure that our all of our families had met our IPs and, you know, that was just through barbecues and family play dates and things like that. So they were that we really made sure that we all bonded and we knew each other and it wasn't just this like we're going to ha- have a baby for two men we don't really know that well at all you know so mm-hmm. um, and their families were amazing the IP's families were really welcoming and every time we did have a big gathering or get together you know it was we tried to combine all the families together and it was just it was not yeah definitely concerns about the medical side of things I mean we did have a few hiccups you know we're all still here and alive to tell the story so that's mm-hmm. it's a win I guess it is and I like to hear what your team did there and I think quite a few teams do aim for that is getting people to know each other so the surrogates and their family getting to know the intent the ips and also then the surrogates partner and family getting to know the ips family and the village that they're, they're creating there Jaden, was that something that your team got to do being interstate were there concerns as well from family yeah not so much on my side jess's mum was a bit put off when she told it um, more so that she was she thought that it was going to be like her eggs and stuff like that but once we explained to her that it's not our eggs it's baby is not ours essentially she's just the oven she didn't want to give away a genetic child to her, from her family type thing so once we explained that to her she was she got on board my mum she's the same as me we just roll with the punches and just deal with what comes out she's pretty easy going same thing is like they they come down and it was it was almost like you're meeting the girlfriend's parents so they come down <laughs> and when they come down from queensland to here for a, for a weekend it was during march something like that and then they come down we had a big barbecue and all the family came over and you know they got to meet all the family and stuff like that and we went out and did we did stuff on our own as well with them but they got to meet everyone down here because we had a good two years before she could transfer anyway so there's plenty of opportunities for them to meet and they come to Adelaide a couple of times mm. yeah so build that relationship with that and also the family and they get you know get on board of it and then nowadays it's you know it's nothing it's just like they're part of the family all along there's no difference so great and I think I'm sure for people listening who are at the beginning who have those concerns uh, this is an enormous project is surrogacy because if you're saying to like a brand new surrogate and partner you're eventually going to introduce these people to your extended family it's probably very overwhelming in the beginning to think I thought this was just going to be a thing we did we say it's a marathon not a sprint so we're talking this is over a long period of time you get to know them first and then you bring them in Troy did that happen in your team as well any concerns but then also the family getting to meet the RPs on my side of the family I don't have a large extended family very small no issue on my side Um, Danny's biggest concern was her dad she was he's not going to lie he's going to get upset he's going to be upset he's going to be upset and then eventually you know she sat him down this is what I want to do what do you think and he probably had the same deer in the headlights look at me like what are you what are you doing what it's not like it was an instant okay but over time he he certainly warmed up to it that's for sure but it's not wasn't an instant that's his daughter his biggest concern was it's still a medical thing giving birth is not it doesn't mean it's any safer because you're a surrogate it's still running the same risk and Mm. why would I not care about my daughter not coming into harm's way so yeah they're very standard concerns aren't they then I suppose we move on to you know every team goes through the counselling and the legals and and of course we can unpack some of those if people have specific questions about that you're engaging with your IVF clinic and you're getting ready for the embryo transfer which we 
often just call a transfer, as you've been hearing people say there. I might actually just go to Troy's team on that one because so the terminology is gestational surrogates are about 90% of us where we, it's not our egg, we're just the oven, so to speak. Yep. So the egg comes from the intended mother or an egg donor if, the, if it's two guys often. So Troy's team started out as gestational where there was, I think, about three embryos that three, were the yeah. genetic embryos of um, Ben and Sarah, and then it yep. went to traditional. Yes. Perhaps we'll just pause and talk about your team for that. How did that crossover journey go? Did that add any extra complexities? You know what? It was actually very quick in the sense that after their final attempt failed, we were devastated. All of us were. You know, couldn't believe it didn't work. And it was even after we left the doctors to, to go home and um, on the way home, Danny's like, I reckon we should try traditional. I'm like, well, you know, at the end of the day, once again, it's up to you. Body, your egg, we'll run it past them, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> see if they like the idea as well. And, um, but it was actually quite a quick transition from going to traditional. I don't know, we were so focused really, I guess, on <laughs> what our goal was and what we wanted to do. And if we could try, why not? And so then it did work. So we'll stay on you for a minute there in terms of the pregnancy. How was that overall? Was it a fairly smooth pregnancy or, or, or it was tricky? Like I mentioned before, I've never had any biological children of mine. Yes. Never yes. been through a birth, never had to raise a baby, yep. never had to do anything. So to actually be with a pregnant woman for nine months was an experience, I will say. And it didn't matter how many classes I took, no. <laughs> I was still shocked. At the same time, I loved every moment of being able to help Danny through. Did you have to pick up the pieces on some extra work around the house or dealing with mood swings and things like that? Oh, no, the mood swings I could handle, that was fine. I was happy to help out. But at the same time, the one benefit we had is we, especially her extended family, her mum, her dad, they were all willing to help out whenever they could. Absolutely. So I, I still got to, you know, I still had to work full time. So I couldn't, I couldn't go to every single appointment. I'd go to every appointment I could, especially the important ones. But it was helpful that, you know, her mum would help out, sister-in-laws would help, friends would help out. If you've got a good team behind you, you certainly get it done. Excellent. Well, it sounds like you built up that good team together mm -hmm. um, and it was a local team so that yes. helped whereas Jaden and Kelly's team you were either interstate or long distance so Jaden how was Jess's pregnancy in comparison to her own for your own keeper children and and obviously not having as much support because the IPs are interstate how did the pregnancy go so if you can imagine best pregnancy everything runs smoothly this this is how far away <laughs> that pregnancy <laughs> is big gap big gap yeah, big gap, big gap. pregnancy through COVID everything was complete opposite to our children like it couldn't be any more different if you tried but the doctors even in the hospital when she had the baby they said that happens a lot with an egg that is not your genetics at all mm. um, they said it is pretty common because your body's reacting to it not being yours so that is a lot of the case in the time you know when that happens the pregnancy was just roll with the punches attend as much, many appointments as i can to support her and the ways that i did with our two children and yeah and then birthing through covid was another is there a birth question there's a birth question we'll go yeah. to prior to that but it was a nightmare in its yes. own um but yeah the pregnancy itself uh, is much of a blur now it's a few years ago now you remember the end of it and the start of it and the middle of it's just a, a blur of yes. their belly getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then next minute there's a baby here so yes i think the partners of surrogates are often the unsung heroes of surrogacy because it's your partners who want to be the surrogates and you come along for the ride and you're there on the day-to-day -day basis with them being pregnant in your household and being extra tired and well done to all of you what about you kel in your household how was marinda's pregnancy 
But she carried Piper and I carried our twins. Piper's pregnancy was a dream pregnancy. So she's like, oh, I love being pregnant and I'm so good at pregnancy and whatever. And pregnancy was pretty opposite to Piper's. I'm always a glass half full type person. And I was like, you were able to carry the pregnancy and you were able to give birth. I see a lot more positives, I guess, than she sort of does. Marinda had ended up with gestational diabetes. So that wasn't fun for anyone, including me, because it meant I had to cook two sets of dinners because she had to eat really early and then I had to feed the kids. And we definitely do pick up a lot more of the extra workload and things that comes with that. But we do it because, you know, we want to help out our friends and we want to see, you know, my wife was really passionate about doing this. She wanted to do it and I want to support her in the things that she wanted to do. But the pregnancy, definitely the gestational diabetes. And then right at the end, she got preeclampsia. So got put into hospital to say like the IPs were, when that happened, they kicked in and they're like, right, what can we do to help you? And I was also HSC marking and doing a whole stack of things. And they made like helped us by like hiring cleaners, like saying, can we get meals delivered for you? You know, just little things that meant a lot to sort of help us. And I found that support, you know, really, really helpful. And I think they ended up coming down a little bit earlier too. So by long distance, they live in Sydney, we live on the Central Coast. It's about an hour and hour and 15 minutes. So it's not as long as other teams have to do it. They came and when Rita was in hospital, they came up a bit earlier and they would come here and help me with the kids during the witching hour, which they got to see was, you know, sort of like, you know, they took my kids trick-or-treating so I could work and things like that. So they were really helpful and hands-on during that process. And But it was really hard watching Brenda go through this hard part of the pregnancy. Like, And I did start to get a little bit worried, like, you know, the preeclampsia and that can have you know, complications down the track and things like that. You know, I started to worry a little bit, but I'm like, I can't let her see that because then that's going to trigger her and we birthed and we got there. So yes. And I think that's something to remember that surrogates are, or any woman is always older each time she has another pregnancy. So although they might've had a pretty smooth pregnancy, like I did with my two and Marinda did, I had a great pregnancy. Well, you're now X number of years older. And so things are going to get harder. The partners are often wearing some of that burden and hopefully some of the IPs can help out in ways either they're physically near or can pay for, for some of the supports. But then as you say, Kelly, we that leads into birth. So we'll stay with you then. How was the birth? And obviously, I know for all of you, you were all there. Obviously, there's long-term after birth, but how do you remember those first sort of few days, few weeks um, together after? How was the birth in those few weeks? Well, Marina ended up being induced because she had preeclampsia. So that was, she didn't want to do that. She wanted to try and birth, you know, without that assistance. You know, we were in COVID as well. So we were lucky that the boys were able to even be in the room because, you know, we were having to plan scenarios of if another COVID outbreak happened, like what would the space look like without them being in it? And, you know, I just hoped with all my heart that they could be there because Marinda, you know, we'd always talked about that I was the support person that if something happened, I she needed me in the room to help her birth the baby. And the boys were really like, they were fully supportive of that. You just want them to be there to see their baby be born, you know, like, so we were able to do that. Marinda was able to have a water birth, which was good. That's what she wanted. The cord was sort of wrapped around Josie's neck at the start so that sort of caused her to be sort of taken off a little bit so that I think that initial bonding that Marinda had envisioned didn't really happen to the extent that she wanted and but once she birthed the baby my concern wasn't with that baby mine was with Marinda I was like making sure that she was okay that she was supported that she had somebody there like she she wanted Josie and I just wanted her to be safe and that was the birth Josie got sort of taken away because she needed checkups and things like that so the boys went with her and I stayed with Marinda and then 
then, you know, we all sort of reconvened back as soon as she was able to sort of walk and, and get up on her feet. So that was all, all nice. And then like, I think post birth, it was mixed emotions for everybody. Like I was just sort of, wow, this is, we've done this, right. It's coming to an end. Like it's kind of finishing now. And you know, I was sort of looking forward to not the end of it, but you know, that part being over the boys um, rented a place like 10 minutes from our house so that Rita could go and see the baby every day. They came over to us, their family was up. Um, they made sure that, that Josie met our family as well and that our kids had one-on-one time with her just so that they could see this was the whole reason that we went through all this in the first place. And that period was nice, like having them close. And then uh, when they left, Brenda really struggled with the baby sort of being God because that whole head, heart, hormones type thing. But they were really good in terms of keeping touch and FaceTiming all the time. And, you know, we still keep in touch. We've still got a really good relationship, which I'm, that's the main thing that I'm really proud of is that we've able to maintain it you know, mm-hmm. as a really nice friendship is what it started out as a friendship and it will always be you know that friendship it's good to hear that you know there's some can be some tough times around birth and post-birth but then with some time and because each of the bubs there i know are you know one two sort of ages or more that that helps to settle things down there so jade in your team i know birthed at the peak of the beginning of covid and so that's an unusual situation there so hopefully you know if a sibling journey does you know eventuate things will be different second time around so how was the birth and then those times post-birth, I guess, in the lead up to the the guys going back to Queensland? Yes, the lead up was the start of COVID. Everything got shut down. They were going to come down a few weeks prior to birth to support Jess and do do the stuff that we were all talked about the whole way through the pregnancy. Uh, Then they threw that whole two-week quarantine thing in the soup. So they had to come down. Then they came down, it was three weeks prior and two weeks after that, they were stuck in a little Airbnb that they rented for the time they were down here. So we were doing visits and having driveway dinners and things like that prior to them still see them they can still see the belly and you know things like that and then once that all happened the the hospital then rules changed where you could have no one in the room at all no one except for one support person and the whole way along was it it is their baby but it's Jess having the baby so end of the day someone's going to be there for Jess and that was always going to be me kind of that was kind of my my no movement thing if it's one person it's me it's it's she needs someone there to support her like I'll do the baby side of things for him as well yeah so there's a planned cesarean i uh, had a had a date set so that was all it was all went down sweet like that you know we we met up with him in, in the car park at the lower map just before she went in got some photos and they said their goodbyes and yeah we'll speak to you soon uh, they went off and had breakfast somewhere and we went into the hospital and started the process and that all happened the cesarean went ahead as planned uh, as soon as the baby was born we have got like a little group chat i just said congratulations daddy's in there like as soon as the baby was born yes. they didn't know what it was they didn't we managed to talk them into not finding out the sex of the baby yep. um so i took a bunch of photos on my phone too which i shared with them later later down the track once they'd met amalia birth itself was all right amalia was because she was such a big baby she was having a bit of trouble breathing so they took her off down to the NICU just to check her out for a bit so one after she was in the room for about a half hour or so and they took her away we didn't see her until we got back into the the room pretty much like she went to recovery and then back to the room then amalia came back um i cut the cord on their behalf just so mm-hmm. they said yeah go for it so let's do that again which is cool and yeah back to the room and then Amalia came back we were with her for about 15-20 minutes or so um, and then luckily enough we managed to talk the hospital into or prior to that to let them you know meet the baby so they got half an hour together to meet the baby and then they got an hour separate and then they had to leave they couldn't come back until she was out of hospital so they 
come in, the baby's all wrapped up. Didn't look like a boy or a girl, funnily enough. So she's in a little in a little cot and they come in and they unwrapped their baby and they got all videos and that's how they found out sex of the baby and then they named her. I think, I think they named her pretty much straight away because they had two names set. So they named her and then they got cuddles and mm. got to do all that and they split up. One went out to the car and sat in the car for an hour and then they did the swap <laughs> all COVID times. Yes. Um, and then they went off home after that and I stayed with Jess for a while at the hospital um, and she was in there for 24 hours, just a normal public system down here. Um, and they booted out so I went back there the next morning to help her sort out all her stuff and they then also came down when she got told she can leave the hospital they then came and they met her at the doors of the hospital pretty much and took delivery of their baby yes. <laughs> essentially yeah. Um, and yeah they, they went off with her to the to their Airbnb we went home um, Jess also expressed colostrum like a, a lot of it mm. um, so the Marley was on colostrum in the hospital for the whole time we were there she expressed enough to feed her the whole time we were there and then once we got home she was still expressing that and it obviously changed over to breast milk and so the first uh so they stayed in adelaide for nine days after she was born and just just fed her solely on breast milk the whole time she was here and also pumped and expressed it and froze it so they went home with like five or six liters of breast milk wow. on the airplane as well as her living the first nine ten days of her life on solely breast milk right um, which is a good start for her life and then once they went home with her they they kind of you know slowly weaned her off the breast milk onto formula because there was talks of express posting it up there and things like that but get a bit bit hard and then um yeah jess ended up doing like breast milk donations to local ladies because she still wanted to express um and then did it through the red cross as well and then she went back to work and it just got too hard mm. to kind of level that off and then uh, well that's that's covered lots of things there in terms <laughs> of we've had a couple of births there we've had a cesarean we've had a water birth we've had um a, a variety of you know the surrogate and partner being prepared to care for the child in worst case scenario yeah. times and then hearing about breast milk is can happen in some teams or not so then Troy to finish up sort of the birth stories how, how was birth for your team and then how was everything in the first few weeks after that having a birth during COVID was wow just an experience but we were lucky enough that we had an, enough conversation with um, the staff at Flinders Medical that we were given a room where Ben and Sarah could be with us in the room at the same time while Danny was giving birth we went in one day but you know then everything was taking too long so like just go home for the night come back the next morning so I stayed at Ben and Sarah's place and went with them the next morning and went through most of the day and like I said once again I've never had experience with births and the whole pregnancy thing and so you know from my experience with what I was told you know with birthing lessons and so forth they said you know well once the baby turns you know you, you might be deemed for the long haul it might take you know you might be around for hours and hours and hours so you know brace yourself for that I'm like okay no worries relax and I was like all right so I went around and started taking photos 10 minutes later Danny screaming where's Troy where's Troy <laughs> and actually, five minutes later, there's Evie. It, wow. was, that, it was that quick. Um, so they lied to me in those birthing classes. They said, oh, <laughs> hours and it didn't. It was a wonderful experience. It was so great that Ben and Sarah got to be there. They got to cut the cord, be there for every first photo of her, getting the first wave for, you know, the nurse looking up and checking out the baby, making sure she was all good. And Danny stayed there for the night and Ben and Sarah stayed for the night in the hospital in another room. I just went home and made sure that my kids were okay and made sure they were all good and everything's good. And I went back the next morning it was an awesome experience and what amazed me was the staff at the hospital were just so amazed because it was it's incredible that in a hospital there's still a lot of nurses and doctors who are not used to surrogacy the idea of it yeah because i know who's the parent who's the parent i'm like well i'm the partner of the woman giving birth for these two and they're like hmm, what what was going on this makes no sense to me <laughs> 
<laughs> it was amazing. I'm sure it's a lot better now because I know when we first look, started looking into it, we were told originally, no, no, you can't have, especially with COVID, they were like, no, you can't have anyone else in the room. You can't have anyone else in the room. And eventually it got to the point where they said, no, it's okay. You can have Ben and Sarah in the room with you. And I'm so grateful for that because the photos we've got of those two with Danny and, and Evie, it, it's, just, it's just awesome. It's just awesome. It really is. Well, it sounds like it was a, a great experience for all of you there. Yes. And that, which needs me on to the next question, that's often surrogates usually experience a high after, you know, birthing a child for their friends. How do the partners of surrogates feel? So, Troy, it sounds like you were pretty ex chuffed and excited to have done this. You know, all, all the fears and all the doubts and all that sort of stuff. And the moment you see Ben and Sarah holding their kid, I was like, yeah, it's so worth it. It's so <laughs> worth it. It, was, it really was. Really and, was. and so for these people who are initially strangers in your life to then become friends and see them be parents, thanks to your team effort, pretty cool feeling. Well, they're not strangers to us. They're, 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 they're some of our great friends, you know. We're going to their place Sunday to set up their Christmas tree with Evie. So <laughs> that's the sort of stuff we do. We, and and yeah, I was yeah. at your wedding recently. And yes, Evie, you're one in. of the flower girls. <laughs> Evie was one of our yeah flower girls, our wedding, ring girls at our wedding. Yes. And that was awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, these IPs become friends uh, in our lives. So what about Absolutely. You? So, Jaden, for you, how was it um, seeing the guys become dads and then, you know, the friendship after? Yeah, it was more uh, just more proud of Jess of what she'd, she'd created, really. You know, the, I know there's a lot of talk, you know, the egg donors and that do a lot. I, I'm not going to play down what egg donors, they, the part they play. Yeah, growing someone a nearly 10-pound baby is certainly a big feat. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it myself. <laughs> um, and, then, and then just watching them after... You know, or unwrap the baby and find out what what sex is, and then meeting their their daughter for the first time, and just seeing them nowadays with her. That is, she is a well travelled baby. She is so spoiled. <laughs> she's been to more countries than I have, and she's two and a half years old. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> she just come back from Melbourne, funnily enough, as another holiday. And just yeah, just she's just more just proud of Jess of what she made, and you know, you can look back on anything in your life and say, look, you created a family. You know, and COVID kind of put a downer on a lot of things, but you can't take the fact away. Is that she's created a life, you know, for someone else and to, to give people to men who obviously can't have babies to have a daughter and to keep them in check for the rest of their life now. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a pretty special thing. So. It is. It's the gift of life. Nothing bigger. And it sounds like the overwhelming theme there is is pride in yeah. your partners there. Kelly, for you too then, I would imagine a sense of pride that you felt in Marinda. How did it feel for you seeing your friends become dad? Yeah, look, it was really nice in our lead-ups and our conversations and, you know, catch-ups and dinners and things that we had. Like, we'd really heard from them how hard it was to find someone to be a surrogate and, you know, like the cost of having to go overseas and things like that because that's what they were potentially looking at i'm immensely proud of my wife for doing what she did like she can get in her own head a lot and the most herby crunchy person who just feels everything she feels all the feels she's so emotional and that was one of my big worries was going through the surrogacy like how is that going to impact mental health and all that sort of stuff she just rocked it she took every barrier that was thrown against her and just said oh, i'm just going to get over this and i'm just going to do it and to her credit like it was just so empowering watching her do this for, for two of our friends and you know when she birthed that baby for them it was real like I said it was really nice to see them have their baby and everything but I was crying because she was alive and she was safe and you know like she'd just done this thing for our friends and had given them the one thing that they just couldn't have on their own you know so I was super proud of that and still to this day we always acknowledge all the, the work and what she's achieved and things like that and she's still kicking goals like she's studying nursing now and lots of things that she's that she's really doing and I 
I think has been driven from this surrogacy journey, you know, like she fell in love with the, some of our midwives that we had on and they, like the medical side of things has inspired her to go on and be a nurse and, you know, to care for other women and, you know, her compassion that she has and like that nurturing um, that's just, it's just part of her and that's why she's going to be an amazing nurse. It, it's just her and this experience, it's really bonded everyone together and the boys, when they first took Josie in their arms, like, oh, it was amazing to watch that. Just to see Marinda at the end of it was, that was the big highlight for me was, you know, that she'd done this and that she was alive. And But I was the same when she birthed our baby. Like I cried. I'm not a crier, but seeing Piper be born was like, you know, the, it was just amazing because I never wanted to actually have any kids either. Like I would never wanted to carry the babies and I ended up carrying twins. So, <laughs> but after watching her go through that, that's what sort of prompted me to want to do it. But yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's a warrior for sure. Mm. And I think that's some of the extra things that can come out of surrogacy, isn't it? That the women sign up to be surrogates, but then there's this strength that comes out of them. And for Marinda, possibly a career change direction because of this. So lots of things can come out of this for the surrogates and for their partners and their families. The the next question I had there, I think we've kind of already answered as we go along. The question is, do you still see the parents and the child? And I'm pretty sure anybody <laughs> listening can already hear the answer is yes to that. I'm sure people at the beginning wonder that, you know, and that's a question I still get as a surrogate when I tell people I was almost the first question I get asked is oh do you still see them it's I think people that are new to surrogacy think that you might not but as anybody can hear from tonight from all of us yes you do keep in touch of course the intensity of the project ends and the amount of contact might diminish a little bit but you've got a friendship there so you keep in touch like you would with friends and so then is there anything anybody would do differently Troy is there anything that you can think of oh to be honest no because it was the end result that was most important and we got there you know there's this beautiful girl Evie who was at my wedding gave me a big hug and so <laughs> I couldn't ask for anything more than that and there's she's got two great parents who deserve to have such a lovely child and one thing I wanted to mention is just their extended families they don't have to but they they thank us all the time they give us Christmas presents they, you know, we gave you you know we gave you a granddaughter you don't need to give us anything but they're like no 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 you don't understand it means so much to us you're affecting the whole family extended family so it's an awesome feeling i am so looking forward to this sunday to set up a christmas tree with evie you know so it'll be good and and to watch her face light up with it, the excitement of christmas and you get to absolutely, absolutely. experience the joy of watching a little kid grow up and not have to raise them that's it Jaden, you too you get i think was it the second birthday or something you went up for earlier in this year and you got yeah to... we went up for our first birthday that's how we met the extended family on her side because we couldn't do it because of covid but we did meet all of the both sides of the family at her first birthday and christening as well we did go up there not long after she was born for a little holiday to see her she was a couple months old but um same thing covid again you couldn't couldn't travel some places and there some of some of the people had covid and you couldn't come down to meet the baby see her, this and that so um things you change differently there's one thing that we we're doing in our sibling journey now is taking on the services of a counselor to be kind of like a mediator to bring up some things that might be a bit of a tough talking points or things that you want to put in place for the duration of pregnancy uh, we found there was a little bit of a more of a distance thing like when you live close you can catch up and have a coffee and explain things but right there's only so much you can type in a message and everyone reads 
messages different ways. Mm. Um, so you, well, you might mean it one way and they take it or you take it a completely different way. Um, so just having a, a third party that you can talk to separately and then come together and word things a bit better. Um, so we're taking that on board for the siblings project now. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's we've had a couple of talks already with her and you know they, it just smooths things out a lot easier. There's no, because I had to play the bad guy a few times during the first pregnancy mm. where things weren't going the way that Jess wanted them to and I just, I'm a pretty straight shooter, I just rang up and said, look, this needs to happen now. Or, you know, this is a non-negotiable. So at least if that third party, it won't kind of get to that stage. Right. I think Jess has got organised uh, with once it all happens and everything's, you know, running smoothly to maybe do monthly catch-ups, even if there's nothing wrong, just to catch up, just have a chat and just, you know, separately and then together just so that's there to as, a, as to fall back on if anything does kind of go a bit wrong, a bit pear-shaped so it doesn't ruin the relationship with what you've already created. So I think that's excellent and that's great to hear the learnings from the first journey. Mm-hmm. And so for if anybody's brand new listening, you have to have mandatory counselling and legals before you get pregnant, but you legally don't have to have any ongoing counselling, which pregnancy is often the hardest part yeah. of it all. I think that's a great strategy to have in terms of having some counselling booked in or planned for during the pregnancy quite regularly, sometimes individual and sometimes as a team. And it's prevention rather than cure, isn't it? Just knowing that you've got that session coming up either as event for the surrogate on her own or just the team to come together. And even before the session, you can each have told the counsellor what you'd like to talk about. And then it's their job to to navigate those conversations. I think also another one that she was talking about was because it's interstate, it might be different. Obviously different people live in the same state. Booking in more frequent travel to see each other and be more part of the pregnancy. Um, I know you're not expected to be here every weekend if you're interstate. It's a nine month pregnancy. It's there's, there's a good opportunity to come down three or four times during then. So if you come down for a trip while you're down on that trip, talk about your next one. Yes. Whether you go up there or they come down here, just just to make them more. I know COVID ruined all that for us in the first one, so I'm not going to play dead too much down on it. But having that in place so they're more part of the creation of their child, really. It's great advice, and that was some advice I got from somebody else and took on. I think for my mental health too, I can be quite an anxious person when we're catching up, booking in almost while we're catching up when the next one is. So Matt and I would often get our calendars out at the same time and book it in. And then for me mentally, I knew when it was coming, I knew they cared about me. It wasn't just a, oh yeah, we'll catch up soon. And then a couple of months go by. Um, So I think some great tips there. So what about for your team, Kelly, anything you'd do differently if you could do it again? Oh, look, ours went, like I said, we had had some pretty good processes in place. We're not going to do it again, purely because our IPs don't want a sibling. But even if they did, I would be hesitant to do it again, only because I'm being selfish now. Like I want the time with my family. Like my kids are at that age now where I feel like they need us wholly and solely. So not because it was a negative experience or anything like that. It's just us being selfish as a family now, you know, which I think we need to do for our family as well. I think we had some pretty good processes in place, you know, like boys and I had a separate chat for when I needed to say to them like, hey, Rita's feeling really lonely. You need to call her and they would do that. Or if there was a problem or something and we talked about all the money because Marinda hates money and didn't want to talk about it. And so if there was something that we needed, the boys would be like, just tell us and we'll get it for you or we'll sort it out. Uh, Don't birth during COVID if you can possibly (laughs) do the only thing I'd say to do. Avoid the pandemic. Yes, no more global pandemics. No more. Um, And 
what Jaden said, I think is really important for the surrogates. And I know that Marinda got extra counseling at, after the birth and the boys were more than happy to provide that service for her. They just said, we'll pay, you go. You don't have to tell us how often you go or whatever. If there's anything that we need, you need us to do, like let us know. And so I thought that was really good for them to do that. But then, you know, that was always something that we talked about like in our counseling sessions that we had established that if there's something that needed to be said, it just got said. Like we didn't want anyone to feel like that you couldn't say something or it all boils down to having that friendship and trust and that really solid relationship going into the surrogacy, which we still have, which I love. And like, it was really sweet. Our dog got run over like two weeks ago by someone in, in our neighborhood that didn't stop. Like they even saw the whole thing, you know, my eight-year-old witnessed the whole thing and she was devastated. And, you know, the boys had messaged me and said, you know, Alfie was our dog's name. He was with Marina through the whole pregnancy. So he sat on her belly and he was her protector. And, you know, like when she fell asleep on the couch, was about to drop coffee on her belly, like he nudge it with his head, you know, that type of stuff. And he was her little therapy dog, as she calls him, even though he's not a therapy dog. He was really bad that way, but she she thought he was good. And they sent like this really nice little glass picture of Alfie, like to for her to remember. And, you know, those types of little things that they still do are, are really nice, you know, that we've still got that real strong bond with them. And so advice, I guess, is just maintain that relationship with your, with your surrogates and the families. We still see John and Mark's family all the time. And you're right, like they, Troy, they do constantly say like, thank you for the gift and yeah. everything you've done. And, you know, and it's really, it's <laughs> nice to hear that, but I'm always like, you know, man, but the family are just so lovely and it's not a chore to ever catch up with them or anything like that. And, you know, they regularly come and see us like it's yeah. a birthday party in a week and a bit and they're going to come and bring Josie and so that'll be nice and you know at that time we'll probably set up a time in the new year to catch up we were lucky we were one of the positive ones I think that had a good experience had little bumps in the road but we never hit like any Mount Everest's in the middle I guess so which was nice well that's that's wonderful I think that each of your journeys as you had bumps <laughs> COVID of course I think it's really great to hear some positive stories and that again for anybody at the beginning your team may potentially carry for people you didn't previously know or people you do know so if it's new people you're going to have friends for life out of this is what you can hear from tonight have ongoing catch-ups and get to meet their family too so you've got to pick people that you do like and want to be friends with and of course that'll grow over time and the people that you do carry for be it friends or family it's going to deepen that friendship and relationship we hope I don't know I see it as like going on a Kentucky tour or doing a, a grand final together or a school musical or something climbing Everest what you're going to do as a team you're never going to do with anybody else and you're going to have this shared amazing experience together and yes it'll end but then you'll always have this thing this bond that you've done together and it's going to be a really unique friendship or or deepen the friendship that you've already got with people i'm sure you'd all agree with that absolutely, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for joining us and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you'd like to see other recordings with photos, head over to our YouTube channel to watch other webinars. You can head to surrogacyaustralia.org for more information about surrogacy. Also check out our Zoom monthly catch-up sessions, which are a great way to connect with others in the surrogacy community. Attending a Zoom is scary the first time, but there's only ever one first time. We have all been beginners at some stage. As we say, it takes a village to raise a child and in the case of surrogacy, it takes a village to make a child so welcome to the village. <laughs>